Well, good morning. Glad that you're here. If you got your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 1, and we're going to be in verses 29 through 34. And I think as we look at this text, then, then there's a reality within it that, that causes us to question some things. There's a reality within this text that Jesus went about healing people who were sick. And so that causes us to then have to deal with the question of, does Jesus still heal people? And so that's ultimately where we're going to get to today is that, that Jesus has authority over sickness and he gives hope to the hurting. But when you think about Jesus' healing, then, then there's some people that make their living off of this, right? Off of the hope of healing, that, that they'll sell a bill of goods, that if you have enough faith or if you give enough money or if you do the right things, then, then Jesus will heal you. And the reason that you're not being healed is because of your lack of faith. Well, that's not what we see in the text here today. That the healing which Jesus does in our text today is, is nothing about faith. In a sense, Jesus isn't asking each one of them, do you have faith? But it's out of his compassion. It's out of his love that he heals. But this idea that, that Jesus would go about pushing back the kingdom of darkness, that everywhere he went, then he was ushering in his kingdom, and in ushering in his kingdom, part of that is that he is pushing out every disease and every sickness and every person who is demon-possessed. So, for us, we are confronted with the reality of, is Jesus still at work? Is he still pushing forward his kingdom at the expense of the kingdom which is ruling and reigning? Reclaiming territory, in a sense. Healing those who are afflicted with disease and those who are afflicted with evil spirits. We're going to get to this at the end of the sermon that, that I want to give you three truths of how the gospel confronts our sickness. But let's first read our text, and then I want, to, I want you to see, I want to take you on this journey of where we get this from. How do we pull these truths out of the scripture for us this morning. Let's pray and ask that the Lord would do a work in us. God, as we come to you, Lord, I pray that in our heart we might wrestle with this truth. The truth that Jesus has authority over sickness. The truth that Jesus gives hope to the hurting. Lord, that, that we might wrestle with that truth so that whether we're in the midst of a battle and temptation to not believe it or whether we're being used to help strengthen those around us who are facing that temptation God that you might use us to continue to usher in your kingdom to push back the darkness in order that people might see you clearly Lord would you help us this morning it's in Jesus name we pray amen well let's look at our text here verse 29 Mark records this. It says, and immediately he left the synagogue. Okay, so we know that Jesus had, had been in the synagogue. He was teaching. It was the Sabbath. And he had been there teaching. And then he had just cast out an evil spirit. And Mark is laying out this account that Jesus has authority. He has authority in teaching. He has authority over demons. Now we're going to see that he has authority over sickness. So he left the synagogue and he entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So the four disciples that he's already called to himself. Verse 30. Now Simon's mother-in-law 
lay ill with a fever. And immediately they told him about her. Now, real quick, just in reading this, we find that that Simon had a mother-in-law. Now, I'm not saying that that's why Simon accepted Jesus' call to to leave, that his mother-in-law was living at his house, but I still have a mother-in-law that gives me birthday presents and Christmas gifts, so I'm not saying anything bad about mother-in-laws, but we see that, that there's a reality here that Peter had a family. That the call to follow Jesus wasn't just this, oh, bachelor guy who has nothing but an adventure to to look forward to. No, there was actually a family here. And so we see that his mother-in-law is ill with a fever. And they tell Jesus about this. And verse 31 records for us what Jesus does. And he came to her and he took her by the hand And he lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve. We see this very human side of Jesus right here. That Jesus is fully God and fully man, but we see a very tender side right here. That Jesus goes to one who is sick, and fever back in the day would have been possibly a a huge ailment leading to death. That Jesus goes to her, there's concern, and he just simply takes her by the hand and raises her up. And the fever's gone. That Jesus has authority that even his presence pushes back sickness. She begins to then serve. After the king who is ushering in his kingdom has served her, she then begins to serve. You know, that's the reality of what Jesus is doing with each one of us, that he draws us in in order to send us back out. That, that Jesus is working in your life in order that you might use that for the benefit of others. That he served us in order that we might be the body of Christ and serve those around us. Goes on to verse 32. It says that, that evening at sundown. Now that's a, another time stamp that gives us the reality that the Passover has now ended. So the Passover would have been sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And so the Passover has now ended. Now this is important because what's coming next is that, that in this text, there's so much excitement over who Jesus is and the authority that he has that at the soonest moment that people can, they're going to act. That evening at sundown, they brought to him, who is the they? It's all the people of the city. That that all the city brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. Now, his fame has spread very, very quickly, right? That word has gotten out very quickly that this man has authority to teach. This man has authority over demons. This man has authority over sickness. And so at the soonest moment, People are bringing the sick and the oppressed to him. Why? Because they have hope. They have hope that Jesus can fix it. Now this is the reality for us, right? Do you have hope that Jesus can meet you where you're at? Do you have hope that Jesus cares enough to meet you where you're at? 
Do you have hope that Jesus is sovereign to do something about it? You see, wrapped up in all of this are all of these questions. That in order to show up, there has to be a hope that he can do something. And so they bring all the sick. Verse 33 records for us that the whole city was gathered together at the door. Don't you know that Simon's mother-in-law is like, what are we going to do with all these people? They can't call me in the house. We don't have room for them, right? That the whole city, that, that what Mark is recording for us is this isn't just a, a little snippet, some sideline thing where they've just heard like, oh yeah, there was a guy and he prayed and they had faith and this person was healed. No, this is main attraction. This is everyone showing up and hearing and seeing what Jesus is doing that they've all come to the house and they're gathered at the door and look at verse 34. It's just recorded so simply for us. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons. It's vast. It's not just one specific thing that Jesus heals. It's not just, oh, if you have a fever, I can deal with that. But if you have this other thing going on, I can't deal with it. No, Jesus has authority over all sickness. Jesus has the power to heal various diseases and those with the demons. But he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. He didn't need a PR campaign run by demons, right? He didn't need that. This right here, there's several times throughout Mark where Jesus is going to say, don't speak of it, don't speak of it. It happens three times in casting out demons. It happens four times in the healing of people that he tells them not to tell anybody. This is called the messianic secret. What is it? It's that Jesus's time was not yet fulfilled. There's gonna be a point in time where he's gonna say, yeah, Peter, who do you say that I am? And he says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. But the time is not yet fulfilled yet. And so, so he's telling the demons because he doesn't need them to be speaking these things. Who wants to believe a demon anyway? And so he silences them, showing his authority over them. But as we look at this, I think we're, we're kind of faced with the question of so what? Right? Right? You read this text, and if this was your devo in the morning, then you would read it, and you'd be like, cool, Jesus is powerful. So what? How does that really impact me? This is, this is what the scripture's for. The scripture is to impact our life. And so I want to give us these three ways that the gospel confronts sickness today. How do the truths which we see in here make an impact for you and I today? The first that I want us to see is that, that Jesus is healing, that the gospel applies today in an immediate yet temporary fashion. An immediate yet temporary. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus picked up Simon's mother-in-law and Jesus immediately healed certain people who were with him. There was an immediate healing. Does Jesus still do that today? Well, I believe that yes, he does. In the New Testament, then James actually instructs us of this, 
that we hear out of the book of James, and we've looked at it because we preached through it, that is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. You see, Jesus still heals people. Do you believe it? He doesn't heal based off of how much you believe it. He heals based off of the fact that he has all authority to heal sickness. He can heal. I said it's immediate because he can heal you immediately. But it's also temporary. Because in that healing, the life which we live, if he heals you immediately, you will still die. It's a temporary healing. We still live with the effects of a fallen body that we all will die one day. So Jesus can heal us immediately, but it's a temporary healing. The gospel then tells us that, that we can be healed eternally and permanent. You see, this is the truth of the gospel, that Revelation, verse 21 we see the picture of once the kingdom has already been issued. Revelation 21, 4 and 5 says it this way. It says, And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, and neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That there is a day coming in eternity when Jesus will heal all sickness and disease. Do you believe it? Do you hope in that? It's not just a temporary fix. It's a permanent fix. That we will have new bodies that what is broken in this world that reminds us that this world is not our home will be fixed when we are home. That Jesus makes it all new. But there's one third truth that I want us to spend a little bit more time on. It's this truth that, that what about if Jesus hasn't healed me immediately and temporarily, and I'm longing for the day when he will heal me permanently and eternally. What do I do in here, Jared? What do I do as I daily struggle against suffering and sickness? I want us to be reminded that God is sovereign and he's sufficient. That he's sovereign and he's sufficient. See, these people in our text, they had a hope that if I can just get to Jesus, Jesus can fix it. If you are suffering and struggling today, and you heard that Jesus was in Bossier, would you be like, nah, it's a little far. It's all the way across the bridge. Where is that place anyway, Right? No, you, you would go. Just like the people in this text that as soon as they could get there, they went. 
because they believed that Jesus could help them. That Jesus was sovereign and sufficient. That Jesus had the authority to cast it out. But what if he didn't? Do we have any examples in the scripture of that? Well, yes, we actually do. We've got an example of Paul in 2 Corinthians. If you've got a Bible, you can flip over there. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. What if Jesus doesn't heal you immediately? Well, we see right here, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. Paul says, three times I pled with the Lord about this. What was it he was pleading about? It was about this thorn in his flesh, this messenger of Satan, which was given to him. And he pled with the Lord three times. I pled with him about this, that it should leave me. He went to God, Jesus, you can fix this. And what was the answer that he got? But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. He didn't get the answer he had hoped for. Be healed. He didn't get the answer that that he had longed to hear from the Father. Okay, you don't have to deal with that anymore. I'll take it away. No, he heard something else. That my grace is sufficient for you. For his power is made perfect in weakness. Look at where Paul then goes with this. That if that's the answer as you've pled with God, as you've begged God to take away the suffering or the sickness of you or a family member, someone you love, that you see their suffering and you've begged God to take it away and he hasn't said yes, here's what he's saying. His grace is sufficient. So how do we then walk? Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamity. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That how does the gospel confront our sickness? If Jesus doesn't take it away immediately and in this life, Well, it points us to hope in him. It points us that the reality is that the gospel tells us that God's plan does not always unfold through the removal of suffering, but that God's plan unfolds through suffering. Listen, this is the greatest picture of the cross that we have, right? This is the deep reality that in our suffering and in our pain, that it points us to the cross. That God's plan did not unfold to heal the world by just waving a magic wand and saying, it's done. It unfolded through the brutal death of the Savior on the cross. It unfolded through Jesus Christ in the garden saying, Lord, take this from me, but not my will, but yours. And it was through that suffering that the gospel then proclaims the resurrection of Christ, that Jesus wasn't abandoned or forsaken, and that in your suffering and in your sickness, you are not abandoned or forsaken by the Father. You have the hope of the resurrection. 
that you too, that if we suffer like him, then we too will be raised with him. That in our suffering, God is displaying the gospel in a way that the world looks on and goes, why would you continue to hope? And it points you to the reality that we were created to dwell with God in heaven, not here. It points us beyond the reality of this life to eternity. We see that the cross speaks this truth, that the resurrection speaks the promise, and that God is with you in your suffering, preparing you for a weight of glory. So where does the cross meet us? How does the gospel speak into our life of suffering? Well, it meets you right where you're at. My hope is that as we encounter this text, then, then it might do something in us. I, I just know that there's people here that are suffering. That are w- wrestling with this reality of the hope that Jesus might heal me of this thing that I've struggled with my whole life. Maybe that's a nagging sin. A temptation to sin and you just say, Jesus, would you take it away? Would you take away the desires? Would you take away the actions? Would you take away my love for it? Would you take away the grip that it has on me? Would you take away the guilt and the shame that it heaps upon me? And the gospel meets you right there. Do you believe that Jesus can do it? Some of you are here and as we've walked through this text, then, then God has brought people to mind. And you're like, oh, yeah. They're suffering and they're hurting and, and you have compassion for them. But have you ever been like a friend that was in this text? Have you ever said, let me get them to Jesus because he can make a difference? See, I think a lot of us would, would pick our friends up and take them to Jesus. But we have the opportunity to take Jesus to them. To, to tell them the truth of the gospel. That Jesus meets you where you're at. That Jesus has authority over sickness and pain. That your sickness hasn't separated you from God. But it's in that sickness that God meets you. Would you take Jesus to someone this week? Who's suffering? Who's hurting? Who's in pain? Would you take Jesus to them? You see, all of us, I just love the way that that text unfolds. That that these friends had heard, Jesus can fix it. And so they went and they got their friends and they said, let me take you to Jesus because he can make a difference. Do you believe that today? Do we really believe that? I just 
think that so often we're so caught up in all of these other things of the things of the world that we can fix it with counseling or we can fix it with medicine or we can fix it with with all of this other stuff. When we go, let me just take you to Jesus. We get that privilege. When we walk out of these doors, you get the privilege of the almighty God who has authority in his teaching, who has authority over demons, who has authority over sickness, that you get the privilege to introduce a world who's desperately sick to your Jesus. I pray that we would be captivated by that reality that we would know the truth of that and that people would then go, you're a little crazy. It's a little different from this world. But that they would go, wow, look at your Jesus. I need to know your Jesus. Let's pray. God, this morning, would you just captivate us? We see the compassion of Christ. We see the authority of Christ. We see this incredible, beautiful picture. Because of Jesus' love and compassion, he just lifts Peter's mother-in-law up by the hand and heals her. That, that people hoped and believed and they just brought their friends because Jesus can make a difference. God, would you captivate us this morning that we might really believe that, that we might really hope in the fact that you can heal, that we might really hope in the fact that you have created us for eternity with you where you will wipe away every tear. that we might really hope in the fact that you are sufficient and that you display the gospel through suffering as we walk with you. That you won't ever abandon us or forsake us. That you walk every step with us, empowering us to continue to hope. God, make us a people that look radically different from our city in order that they might see you more clearly. It's in Jesus' name.